Money count on, cash on me. Shotty blow my phone. That's corny. That's a no no. Alrighty. Hey, welcome to barbershop.talk. That's right. This is the podcast where the conversation or topics are determined by the conversation in the barbershop on Saturday. That's right. If you talked about it on Saturday, we're going to talk about it today on our podcast. Well, hello. My name is J-Rod, and I am your host. I am in Out The Way Studios located in Indianapolis, Indiana, also known as Naptown. And I am joined with my co-host, KC. Thank you, J-Rod. It is a pleasure to co-host Barbershop.talk podcast here in Out The Way Studios. I look forward to presenting topics that we discuss in the shop as well as the manner in which we discuss them. This would include the gamut from analytical to anecdotal, from critique to humor and fun, all in an attempt to present to the audience the real flavor of barbershop talk. All righty. Hey, thank you for tuning in to barbershop.talk. I just love, love to talk to our listeners from time to time to let them know how much we appreciate them listening to our podcast. All right. You know, we do, Casey. You know, what we do. We talk oh, about yeah. the conversations. Oh, we do. That's right. They oh, have, right. That's right. They have right in the barbershop. That's what our show's about. <laughs> <laughs> no conversations in the shop, no show. <laughs> yeah, you got Absolutely right. You know, before we get started, I do want to remind our listeners that uh, today is election day. They need to get out there and vote. I got my sticker, J Rod. I vote. Oh, you should. Oh, well, look at there. You got it on, too. I didn't notice that when you walked in the studio, but I see it now. Uh, I, act, I don't have my sticker, but trust me, I did go out and vote. Now, it is for the primaries, but still, that is a very uh, important day to pick the candidate that you want to represent you. That's correct. That's right. where it starts. That's where it starts. All right. You know, speaking of that, I don't know why it popped up, but, you know, Giuliani, the uh, the personal attorney for Donald Trump. Rudy Giuliani. That is correct. That's yeah. the guy I'm talking about. Raggedy Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I started looking up his background, he was a pretty decent guy back in the day. I don't know what happened to him. L- listen to this. This is what I found out here. It says um, uh, Giuliani led the 1980 federal prosecution of New York mafia boss. So in other words, he prosecuted the mafia in uh, the Southern District of New York. And that's where he really got his claim to fame because he got right. rid of that corruption. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, now, remember what I just said. <laughs> he got rid of <laughs> the mob. <laughs> now, uh, also, apparently he did a pretty good job in regards to the role that he played as mayor during the September the 11th attack attack in fact that's when they start calling him the american mayor so, uh yeah man america's mayor that's right that's right that's right they said that uh, uh so he got a lot of props for that but then listen to this in 1994 what he said immigrants and illegal immigrants this is what he said as mayor of new york city giuliani encouraged hard-working illegal immigrants to move to new york he said in 1994, some of the hardest working and most productive people in the cities are undocumented workers. Wow. Yeah. That's You're talking about an about face. <laughs> yeah. What happened to him? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what happened to him, but I think maybe his age. I think that's what it is. 
dementia. I think it's a combination of things. Uh, well, of course, it's drinking too. Yeah, right? I was gonna say alcohol abuse <laughs> definitely played a role in it. Yeah, I have to, <laughs> because when I was reading his background and then I'm listening to some of the interviews that he's doing today, mm-hmm. big difference. Listen to this interview. There's a couple of them. Listen to it. Here we go. I'm not spinning a damn thing. Okay. I'm telling you the truth. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't have any idea what you're talking what about. You just said. Did you to ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? No. Turning so the president not. did bring up uh, Joe Biden on the call. Maybe he didn't bring it up. The and only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, right. dismissed the case against anti. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. Okay, hold on. Shut up. Shut up. You don't everybody. know what you're talking Ooh, about. Chris, you Chris, don't know Chris, what you're Chris, talking Chris. about, idiot. The State Department asked me. You just said it. No, you, no, I didn't. Let, let, you let did, you liar. Just, just you finish. did. Excuse me, you're interrupting my reading of this book. Nothing. Wait, the inspector wait, general. Damn it, oh, I got, I got he says he didn't know his son was under investigation. The dude with Looney Tune. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, uh, you know he was uh, he was disbarred for these uh, outrageous. Claims that he was pursuing on behalf of Donald Trump at court, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. he lost like sixty-three out of sixty-three <laughs> court appearances, and yeah. uh, it led to him getting uh, disbarred. Yes, he did. Yeah, because he apparently uh, his tab was thirty-three thousand dollars, and he couldn't pay it, so he was disbarred. <laughs> they kicked him out. <laughs> well, in fact, I, I did pull some facts in regards to him being disbarred. So listen to this clip, because he actually did get this part. All right, we're going to put this up there. You've got to hear this. The election claims made by Donald Trump were so frivolous and so unfounded that the president's lead lawyer did not just lose these cases. He lost his license to practice law. The New York Supreme Court found, quote, there is uncontroverted evidence that Mr. Giuliani communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts, lawmakers, and the public at large in his capacity as lawyer for former President Donald J. Trump and the Trump campaign in connection with Trump's failed effort at re-election in 2020. Now that's some serious stuff. Yeah, when, when the last time you heard of a lawyer getting disbarred for cases he's bringing to court <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know no he had no evidence just lying away he went from being the uh, uh the american mayor mm-hmm. to a disbarred attorney yeah and that ain't all he's a degenerate uh i don't know if you're familiar with borat Mm-mm. but that's this uh this actor and he makes these uh Oh yeah, these movies under the name of uh, Borat. Uh, yes, yes, I'm the, familiar with that. On the sequel, uh, it was a, a a live scene. Now Rudy Giuliani didn't know he was part of the movie. Mm-hmm, he thought mm-hmm. he was being interviewed by a 15 year old girl, <laughs> and he had this uh, interview take place in this hotel room. Oh boy! And he whooped out his willy trying to see if she was gonna give him a little loving. It's, you know, knowing that this, at least understanding that this girl was 15 years old. Oh my goodness. Now, in actuality, she was really a grown woman, but she played the part of a 15 year old. And he thinking it was a 15 year old, and he was ready to get down with 
You have got to be kidding. You have got to be kidding. Oh, no. Did they record that? <laughs> yeah, it was actually, uh, it's actually the climactic scene of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> All right. Well, you know something? I, I do know that he, uh, do you remember the rapper Eminem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I remember Julian tried to criticize him, the mm -hmm. rapper. But uh, now you know Eminem is not going to stand still oh, when no. you attack. So I want you Gotta to respond. Yeah, have to, have to. Let me let me play this clip for you to give you some background on what we're talking about. All right, here we go. Rudy just went on television saying that Eminem should leave this country because he took a knee during the Super Bowl. Let's get to right to Eminem taking a knee. Why does he go to another country? I mean, go take a knee someplace else. What kind of country are we becoming? And now a rebuttal from Eminem. <laughs> Look, his skull's not hairy, teeth fake, frisely merry. The leakage on his cheekage is scary, probably sherry. He's drunk, but on the surface he looks well drunk. He's not hiding it. Hope he doesn't whip out his junk like that one scene. So obscene, he reached for peen to show a teen. So Papa Borat intervened. You think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Yep, I also think you shouldn't be allowed near schools. He's lost grasp of reality. Well, is he having a stroke? He found ballots, they're both. He's Trump's madam, that's gross. But friends rush and saloons, loves corruption, it's true. He's been pushing the coup, married his cousin, oh ew. The dude should be disbarred, he's up in for cigars. He wants trees and it's hard, but he won't stop. Back to the four seasons, no, not that four seasons. The landscape and business by a dildo shop. You can not screw yourself, you're a doofus. You know what you vote, headlines at McDonald's for ratoons. Oh, he's at one shot, it smells more like 22. His Sarah album's gone in. Too rapid decline. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta mention one more thing about Billy Ali J. Rod. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you be ready for another day. Uh during the uh Trump campaign, uh he he did this um this little promo uh interview mm -hmm. in front of what he thought was one of these four seasons hotels yep, kind yep. of places. But it was actually a Four Seasons Adult Entertainment Shop. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the one when he had the the stuff running down the side of his face. I do. Uh, <laughs> I, do I do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. Oh, uh, well, I I don't know about Giuliani anymore. I just think he totally have lost his uh all his marbles. Yeah, and that's who Trump picked as his lead attorney. Yeah, that, that sums it up right now. Yeah. But you, you know, so I'm going to talk about, I, I can talk about this guy for a very long time, you know, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit uh, from Giuliani because there was another conversation in the barbershop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it had to do with being married, mm -hmm. you know, married men. I know that's a delicate topic for a lot of you folks. Uh, and I didn't start this conversation. I, right, I right. just I just want to know that I did not start this conversation. <laughs> yeah, but they were talking about. I'm going to set it up for you. They was talking about um, being married is like going to a, a, a AA meeting. You know, it's like a, yeah, you have to join an AA meeting. That was one guy's opinion. Now, it wasn't everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one guy. It was one guy opinion. You know, I think the rest of us we didn't say anything because we uh uh disagree with him 
or we didn't say anything because we was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm gonna play what he was talking about in the shop. Here we go. It's like it's like being an AA. My friends ask me, like, how's your marriage going? It's one day at a time, man. <laughs> I didn't say anything wrong today, but I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. Hi, my name is Adam, and I'm a married man. It's been six months since my last decision. <laughs> I felt the urge to have an opinion the other day, but... Thank God my sponsor came over and we sat down till that feeling went away. <laughs> being married is like being an AA. <laughs> my friends asked. Yeah, I'll tell you. That, that. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was one client's opinion. That's right. One client's opinion. <laughs> I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but I swore he said he didn't make a decision the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing great. <laughs> Oh, that, that was funny. Okay, all right. You know something? I think it may be time to do what we usually do about this time, and that's recognize our sponsors. You know, it's one thing I, I do have to say. We do appreciate our sponsor, and we're going to start off uh, by recognizing King Cap, who is the owner of Out the Way Studio. Let's get with it. Hey. It's a party out in my head. Hey. Taiwan on the beat, I already know. It's a party. All right. We're going to pause and recognize our sponsor, which I said is King Cat, who also is the owner of Out the Way Studio. He had many organizations under his umbrella, but he is very proud of his custom made apparel t shirts, hoodies, hats, you name it. If you have any interest in his service, go ahead and email him at King Cap. That's King, K I N G, Cap with a capital. KAP317 at gmail.com. Also, we want to recognize our second sponsor, which is 421 Barbershop, located here in Indianapolis on Michigan Road, where good things happen to your hair. If you want something good to happen to your hair, come on in and see one of our master barbers at 421 Barbershop on Michigan Road. That's right. I'm going to get her out those panties. It's a party in Miami. My I got to tell you, J. Rod, speaking of good things happen to your hair, that was a hell of a cut you gave me the other day. Well, I, I, I've had several compliments. Several compliments on this cut. Well, I appreciate all the comments uh, and thank you for your kind words. And if you haven't seen Casey haircut, you got to check it out. But there was an interesting thing that happened, though, at the conclusion of the cut. If you remember, Jay Rod. Uh, tell me about uh, it. Well, you know, I was I was going to pay my bill. And, uh, you know, I whipped out a 20. And there was this customer. Now, th this customer, uh, he's of Indian descent. And when I say Indian, I mean like Middle Eastern Indian, not Native American Indian. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I pulled out the money to pay Jay Rod, he was like, Man, if you knew about that guy on that bill, you wouldn't be using that bill. And you know, it just it's made us pause. Like, yeah. okay, I'm just trying to pay this dude, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but I think you asked him to go ahead and break it down for us because you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, should I not pay Jay Rod? Yeah. Which would be all right. You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I want I want my money. I want my money. You get the service, you give me give me the money. But I do recall that customer. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, he was a, a new client, client. He was a walk-in. Uh, and like I said, he was from another country. And when he seen you about to pay, he was like, if you knew about that man on a 20, you wouldn't pay with that 20. So I'm like, hey, you got to break that down for us. Give us some more information what you're talking about. And so I pulled out my uh, video camera and I actually recorded this. The man on the face of the $20 bill is the same man who once offered up to 325 times that amount for the return of a runaway enslaved person, including extra bonuses for every hundred lashes inflicted upon that man. He was a master planter who fertilized American soil with Native American bodies and hydrated southern cotton fields with the blood and sweat of free black labor. Such an icon of white supremacy was he that nearly 200 years after launching the violent displacement of 100,000 non-white bodies, a piece of paper with his face on it was all the authorization they needed to suffocate a man to death while the world watched them do it. Big Floyd was murdered by police outside of a grocery store. See, my uncles also operate grocery stores, liquor stores, mini marts, and so on. That whole generation followed a pretty simple formula. You put your heads down, make your money, send your kids to good schools. See, what that actually meant was put your heads down and don't think about why this formula works out for you but doesn't always work out for everyone else. Why you get to own property in this neighborhood but the people who live here can't. Why liquor stores like yours are in every corner but fresh produce and after-school programs are pretty hard to come by. And definitely don't consider a centuries-long history in this nation that includes slavery, legalized segregation, a made-up war on drugs, criminalization of black and brown bodies, immunity for police officers when they commit crimes, and that's just to name a few. So what do we do? We put our heads down. We turn those Jacksons into Benjamins and those Benjamins into Benzes. We became well-educated, well-to-do, and well, accommodating. We complied with the status quo that keeps telling us that we're almost there, but just not quite them enough until we shed every last remnant of our heritage. Except, of course, for the ones that can be exploited for a diversity initiative or sold for profit. And in the meantime, we got all our music, culture, fashion, sports heroes from a community of people without ever having to reckon with the fact that we have been complicit in the violence against their very existence all along. We kept our heads down, now the joke's on us. We abandoned our homelands and everything we knew to escape poverty, to escape violent conditions, to escape systemic oppression. And this whole time, we remained silent while we watched those very same things happen to a group of people who are just slightly different from ourselves. We no longer have time to keep our heads down. Not now, not ever again. Listen to and learn from black voices. Donate your time and your money to black-led organizations and black causes. Learn and vote in your federal and local elections. And hey, Bollywood, we don't want to hear any of this Black Lives Matter stuff from you unless you're also dealing with the casteism, colorism, sexism, Hindu supremacy, and support of state-sanctioned violence that's running around freely in your own industry right now. Black Lives Matter. Wow. Man, that dude was so powerful. I offered to pay for his cut, and I said I'll use four Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, he put a lot of lot down in the barbershop. Oh, he did. And he that, got to come back. And at the time when he was talking about that in the shop, the whole shop got quiet. Right. Absolutely quiet. Maybe. I nicknamed him Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know that, but he was just as powerful <laughs> as Gali. But he talked about a lot of good stuff. Though. He did, man. And, um, you know, um, he's more educated on what's going on in American society than African Americans, white Americans, and any other Americans in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need to all be just as educated as he is so that we can speak to that, mm-hmm. to everyone. You know, I, the t- I take the part that I like about when he was talking about is that people have a tendency to put their heads down mm-hmm. and ignore everything else that's going on. Yes. Because they're so focused on their own personal success, yes. however they measure that. And they have decided that in order to be, be for successful, I can't recognize the other things that are happening. Yes. Instead of reaching back or reaching beside or reaching up to help other folks, understanding that we all, if we all successful, everybody get a piece of that. Right. And it's a lot of times in order to get success, you have to sell something. And a lot of times it's either your soul or in this case, you sold your culture. Mm-hmm. So pretty powerful stuff. Very powerful. Pretty powerful stuff. Very powerful. You know, but he's not the only one in the shop that threw something down because after he talked, another guy had to get up and he threw down some history too. And I think history is important because if you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. That's the same that my grandfather used to always say. Uh, But this guy put a little twist at the very end. And I would like for you to listen to what he had to say. I've had people point to the welfare policies of the 1960s, President Johnson's war on poverty, and say, that's why African-Americans are poor. Or, that's why African-Americans are unemployed. Or, that's why African-American families fell apart. If the government hadn't tried to help, they'd be doing much better. So is it true? Did the war on poverty make things worse? From 1970 through 1990, black Americans continued to make up roughly 60% of representations of poverty in the media, even though they seldom made up more than 30% of America's poor. In 1983, when pictures of white families suddenly spiked all the way up to 70%. What happened in 82 and 83? The worst recession in a generation, combined with threatened cutbacks to social programs by the Reagan administration. As soon as the recession ended, journalistic focus returned to stories of wasteful spending and portrayals of poor urban black families. Poverty in America went back to being black. Why does this matter? because poverty in America isn't a uniquely black problem. To this day, African-American families make up less than 30% of America's poor and receive only about a third of government spending on poverty programs. 70% of our spending goes to white and Latino families. Yet when we think about helping the poor, we think of handouts to African-American mothers with multiple kids and no husbands living in the inner city. Why? because those are the images we've been shown over and over. And here's the sad reality of lingering racism in America. The more we think of poverty as a black problem, the less we want to help. It isn't us, after all, it's them. And very old tropes about African-Americans being lazy and irresponsible rear their ugly heads to make us less compassionate. And as Christians, called time and time again in scripture to care for the poor, this is nothing less than tragic. 
Interestingly, there's another ethnic group in America that matches African Americans on almost every metric. Unemployment for this group is even higher. Non-marital births are nearly as high. Single parent homes, nearly as high. What ethnic group is it? Native Americans. Think about it. These are the only two groups of people that weren't given a choice whether or not to live in white America. The only two groups that have been actively and consistently treated unjustly by European settlers since before there even was an America. And today they are the two groups whose communities are marked the most by poverty, unemployment, and addiction. Is it just a coincidence that we see the most dramatic breakdown of family structure in the two communities that have faced the most historic injustice? Wow. Yeah. So, so when you hear the three letters CRT, critical race theory, mm -hmm. really it's addressing these specific things, these policies that are put in place and enacted to keep certain groups of people disadvantaged from the rest of society. I agree with that 100%. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're fighting so hard uh, and trying to camouflage that yeah. by whitewashing uh, African-American history. But right. I agree because if this is being exposed, mm -hmm. uh, things will begin to change. Because when you talk about things in this nature, what you're talking about, the critical race theory, yeah. is where policies and laws are put in place um, to... Um, allow a certain culture have a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. That's what that was all about. Yeah. But I think I stopped you. You had a point there. I apologize for that. No, no, you're right. Um, so, uh, but essentially, when it comes to policy that they don't want uh, Americans to have, they put a black face on it. Mm -hmm. And when they want Americans to have it, they put a white face on it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, welfare. They put a black face on welfare, you know, that's just giving, that's just giving money to black women, got all these kids, this, that, and other. Mm -hmm. But the largest demographic of people on welfare are white people, Absolutely. always have been, Absolutely. never been close to anyone else, uh, to their number. And that's true. That's but true. they put the black face on. You know, that's the only time where, um, I very seldom agree with the GOP, uh, but in a small portion, when it was attacking the media, mm -hmm. uh, I can almost kind of feel them. I, I didn't go as far as saying fake news and try to discount legitimate news, uh, but I did know that the media have a very powerful position when it comes to shaping uh, the opinion of the country. Yeah. And they did do a disservice to African-Americans, uh, Latinos, Native Americans, by portraying negative aspect them on the media for years. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we've always been exploited by the media. Um, it, it's only been in recent years, and when I say recent years, maybe the last uh, twenty years or so, that mainstream media has reduced the amount of black exploitation. Now, the reason why they've done it is because uh, Fox has taken the mantle. To a new to new heights, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they're all about black exploitation. You know, I think another thing that contributes to that is that now uh, diversity is, or I should say that a diverse leadership mm -hmm. of these uh, uh, media companies. Yeah. At, at one point, it might have been all uh, white Caucasian males. Mm -hmm. 
now we have a diverse people on those boards right. uh, that are bringing in uh, not only new ideals, but demanding new things. And I think that's also contribute why yeah. um, the image. And, and challenging certain past practices that they knew were incorrect. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So it's a lot of things uh, that is contributing to that. And I think it has to continue to go in that direction. I think that uh, society now is trying to change the power of the media instead of trying to portray it negatively on television, which they're having a harder chance, uh, a harder time to do that because of diversity. Now they're trying to do it in social media. Yes. Because there's no really no regulation. Right. They don't have that regulation. So we can exploit them this way mm-hmm. since uh, the mainstream media has changed. Yes. Yes. I agree. They can almost put anything they want out there and, 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 and no consequences occur because of that. You know, media is, is a powerful thing. It is. And it can be manipulated, manipulated um, um, for the worse. Yeah, well, just as an example, uh, you know, Russia controls its media outlets. And the people in Russia don't even know that they're in a war. Mm-hmm. They think they're having a minor dispute. that's a good point that's a very good point and I think that's why Donald Trump was always trying to control the narrative Mm -hmm. very much trying to control the narrative you know I'm going to have to end on this point Uh, again I'd like to thank our listeners for listening to us Uh, keep in mind that it is vote vote day so please do so All right, Casey I'm just going to have you just sign us off I want to thank you for listening to our podcast barbershop.talk Please tell your family, friends, and enemies about our podcast, Barbershop.talk. Let's have peace in the streets. Be safe, be wise, and be loved. And we say, Go Go Mob. Mob.